All right. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. Can you hear the ice cream? Roll. Can you hear the ice cream truck? Uh, no. Okay, good. It just is that a trick question? No, it's driving by right now. I didn't want it to be oh. playing in the background. I was going to mute myself if it was. <laughs> so. What was it playing? Was it playing Alice in Chains? It was playing Helter Skelter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts Jason and Eric are counting down the top 25 guitar solos of the 80s and the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to Season 2 of Greatest Lists, a music and talk podcast featuring lists of the greatest songs of all time. I am Jason, your host for this episode, and joining me is my co-host, Eric. Hey, Eric. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. How's your pile of bones today? <laughs> man, it feels every bit of 53 years old, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, lately, I've been uh, feeling all of 47 as well, so <laughs> yeah, us old men here <laughs> get those bones <laughs> rattling around. Anyway, we are now in the top 10. Of our nice. greatest guitar solos of the 90s. But before we talk about this episode's featured song, hey, I wanted to wish my partner in crime here a happy first anniversary. Can you believe that? We've been on the air for a year, man. Yeah, I know. I told I told my <laughs> wife that last week that that was coming up. I mean, she was like, I, don't, I can't believe you've been doing that for a year. Yeah, yeah. It like, has just flown by. It's flown by. So actually, as we're listening or you're listening to this, uh, we've actually passed that mark. But uh, just wanted to pause, you know, for a second, yeah. and say we're very glad we started the show over yeah. a year ago. Now I've had a blast. A very fun journey. Yep, I've had a blast. All right, well, let's continue. Let's let's get right back into the top twenty-five guitar solos of the '90s, and uh, our number nine song comes from a 1992 album titled "Dirt." It is "Them Bones." By Allison Chains. Behind the music. Our spotlight today is on guitarist Jerry Cantrell of Allison Chains. He grew up in Washington State and he documented his life goal at an early age in a Dr. Seuss book, the book My Book About Me. Hmm. And filling in the sentence, when I grow up, I want to be, he wrote two words rock star. <laughs> Cantrell picked up a guitar for the first time when he was in the sixth grade. At that time, he played the clarinet, and his mother was dating a guitar player who handed his guitar to Cantrell and taught him a couple chords. He picked it up very quickly, and his mother bought him an acoustic guitar. But it wouldn't be until he was around 17 that he began seriously playing electric guitar. And he learned to play the guitar by ear, bought his first electric from a swap meet. A Korean-made uh, Fender Stratocaster. Yes. Uh, his senior year in high school, he became president of the choir, and his choir teacher and his drama teacher were the two greatest motivators toward a career in music. Uh, when Jerry's, uh, when uh, when Allison Chain's first album went gold, uh, Cantrell sent both of his teachers a gold record. That's I thought awesome. that was a cool story. Nice. Uh, Took him a while to get there, though. Quitting college, moving to Texas, then moving back to Tacoma. 
he formed some bands along the way, namely a band called Diamond Lie, which played concerts in the mid-80s, hoping to get a record deal. In 1987, he watched Alice N. Chains, just an N in the middle there, perform. And lead singer Lane Staley uh, was part of that. He liked his voice. He would meet Staley at a party after uh, Diamond Lie broke up. And then Staley took Cantrell in as a roommate as uh, shortly after Alice in Chains broke up. Hmm. So the stage was set uh, for this new band, which would eventually become Alice in Chains. Uh, Cantrell record, uh, recruited a drummer, Sean Kinney, and bassist Mike Starr, who was the brother of Kinney's girlfriend at the time. Uh, the last one to come around was actually Staley. He had already started up another band, but Cantrell and the rest of the guys wanted him to be the lead singer. So they started auditioning terrible lead singers in front of Staley <laughs> to send him a hint. <laughs> I thought this That's is great. Amazing. And the last straw for Staley was when they auditioned a male stripper. And he decided to join <laughs> the band after that. So, what an uh, awesome story. I know, right? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Oh, so they uh, recorded a demo and we're trying to get people to listen. Fun story, Cantrell attended a Guns N' Roses concert at the Seattle Center in 1988 and took an Alice in Chains demo tape to give to the band. He met Axel after the show, gave him this tape, and as he was walking away, Cantrell saw Axel throwing the demo. <laughs> Not even a little surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, years later, Guns N' Roses chose Alice in Chains to be the opening act of their 2016 reunion tour. So, all came back around. Nice. Uh, their final demo, which was called the Treehouse Tapes, found its way to Kelly Curtis and Susan Silver, who were the managers of the Seattle band's Mother Love Bone and Soundgarden. Curtis and Silver passed the demo on to Columbia Records, and Alice in Chains was signed in 1989. Wow. Uh, since then, Alice in Chains have found themselves a multi-platinum recording artist, selling 30 million albums worldwide to this day despite losing Lane Staley, of course, uh, to substance abuse in 2002. Uh, Cantrell has actually released three solo albums as well. The most recent in 2021, called Brighton. Yep. Uh, Cantrell has also been given some high accolades over the years. He was named Riff Lord by British hard metal, hard rock and metal magazine Metal Hammer in 2006. And Guitar World ranked Cantrell as the 38 out of 100 uh, greatest heavy metal guitarists of all time. That was in 2004. So he, uh, if, as far as his setup goes, he's most famously seen playing the GNL Guitars Rampage model. He has two signature models available to the general public. New, you're looking at a couple grand. So. Not too bad, huh? Not too bad. <laughs> not too, not too bad compared to whatever it was, ten thousand I mean, or. <laughs> I don't have a signature model, so let me come on. Let's get personal. So I was actually late to Alice in Chains. I was familiar with their hits in the early '90s when you know grunge became big, and uh, but the first album I never bought, uh, the first album I ever bought uh, from Alice in Chains was the Unplugged album in 1996. Wow. When I was in college. And I remember when I dabbled on the guitar a little bit at the time, I was trying to learn the song Nutshell. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I really liked that song. That's a great song. It really is. Yeah. Um, 
also, you know, back when I could get close to singing to Staley's high notes as well, you know, so me and my roommate would jam back and forth. We're trying to sing and <laughs> play Alice in Chains and lots of other nice. third eye blind. Yeah, that's another story for another day. <laughs> anyway, I still try. Uh, Staley is easily one of my favorite singers for some windshield karaoke. I mean, his uh, his voice is just so much fun to sing along with and unique that, oh man, I just, I love Alice in Chains. So, uh, um, now, Them Bones is not on that Unplugged album, so I had to hear that one on the radio, and by that point, when I finally got my hands on that Dirt album, and you fire it up, and you hear that, <laughs> you know, and then that crazy riff. I mean, it's just such a tone setter for that album. But the the band kind of as well, and, and their you know sound, uh, real you know real dark and that grungy sound. Yeah. It's it's, oh, it's yeah. awesome. So yeah, that's kind of my personal history with Alice in Chains and Jerry Cantrell. What about you? Uh, I mean, I remember I can pretty much remember the first time we saw Man in the Box on MTV, and just being if I was a, I was a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. And seeing that video, and we're just like, "Oh, that's, that's so awesome!" I mean, just yeah. that 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 riff, and um, we we were we were already the band I was in in college. We were already covering "Living on a Prayer," which uses the top box, and it took us about twelve seconds to realize we could cover "Man in the Box." Too. There you go. Yeah. And so we threw that one into rotation. I mean, immediately, um, and I just I've always been a fan of their of their sound. I've you know, um, I, I agree that <laughs> with that magazine that he is the riff lord. He yeah. can come up with some of the best riffs I've ever heard. Yeah, um, and so, but yeah, I've been. I, re- I remember when they first hit and, and being a fan. Then. Cool. Even, even down through, even after Lane was gone, and, and you know, they're, they're just they're just such a cool band. Yeah, and that's what makes them great. Is they essentially have two lead singers. Yeah. And a lot of their songs, they're both singing at the same time throughout the majority of the song. Yeah. And they have some and, really weird sounding harmonies too that add to the har- sound. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's really what catches your ear too. I think is the, is the vocals between the two of them. But yeah, I think, you know, most people harmonize above and they usually harmonize below each other. And that's what makes it right. so cool. The breakdown. So before I go into my breakdown, I just wanted to direct people again to my favorite YouTuber, Rick Beato. Episode 13 of his What Makes the Song Great series uh, breaks down the song, and you get to hear all the instruments soloed uh, during the song. That This crazy echo effect that's on those screams that yeah. you really don't hear. It's like this flange effect uh, and on the bass as well. I mean, it's so cool. And yeah. just the overall appreciation for this short song is is through the roof when you can hear all those different elements and not necessarily just, you know, ah, blaring in your ear, you know. <laughs> Even though it sounds cool. Yeah, so you guys need to go check out, and you need to be subscribers to Rick Beato anyway. Yeah. But uh, anyway. I feel, like, I feel like Rick should give us a kickback for as many times as we Yeah, can. no kidding. Yeah. Should be about the show. <laughs> I keep mentioning him. 
Anyway, the solo, uh, only about 36 seconds, but the song itself is just two minutes and 23 seconds. So if you do the math, it's about one quarter of the entire song <laughs> is the solo. Anyway, I love the sound of Cantrell's guitar. There's tons of distortion, the wah-wah, you know, that he just uses all the yeah. time. And I like how the solo is actually double-tracked in, like, the second half of the solo. And uh, when he starts playing those real high-end notes and does that pattern, I mean, it's it's so great. And you can hear those, you can hear, well, Rick breaks it down a lot better because you can actually just, you know, hear the solo. But right. uh, very so powerful. And, yeah. and meanwhile, there's this huge high-to-low slide behind the ending of the solo, too. I don't know if you noticed that. I love that so much. There's just that huge slide as he's, you know, finishing up playing uh, during the solo. But yeah. the song itself, the lyrics, real dark, of course, matches the tones. And they, it. most of their songs are kind of that dark edge, and they play those real dark tones uh, throughout their music. But it's so good. The drum rhythm is great. It's it's got this like double kick pattern. If you really listen to it, that's unusual. Uh, I don't know. This song is just uh, I'm over the moon for it. And, and a lot <laughs> a lot of their music too. This isn't my favorite of theirs, but it's it's up there. It's really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, before you even get to the solo, that whole I mean the the intro and the verses are in seven eight time. It gives it that really off rhythm yeah yeah sound. i love that too but then when they go into the chorus they switch from seven eight to four four regular you know like a regular time signature right. with no they don't miss a beat at all i mean it's just <laughs> they go straight from seven eight to four four and that seven eight just makes it sound heavier because they're just i mean yeah. it's just it just chugs along but um i love the what i love how oversaturated his solo is it just sounds it just sounds mean i mean mm -hmm. it just you know it just the way he he plays it and the and the tone he gets just sounds mean. I love it. It's it. I wish it, I wish it, that solo was longer than thirty six seconds because he can. No. He can. I mean, he doesn't get enough airtime on some of their songs when, when <laughs> they need it. He's such a good. He's such a good a good guitar player. I think he's overlooked a lot when it comes to stuff like this. But um, yeah, that solo for as short as it is, it's just it's that's all, that's the only word I can think of. It just sounds mean. And it fits right <laughs> cool. into that song. Him being the riff lord, yeah, not known for his solos, you know, in particular, I can see how you know people might overlook him. Oh yeah, it, but I mean, they're so great, and it's it just seems to fit so well, and not just this song, but a lot of the songs, even on this album and and others. Um, it, when he breaks out a solo, it's it's. It's concise, but yet fits perfectly in there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he's not trying to—he's not trying to be some of these other guys that uh, we've talked about already. And just nobody can be. That's the—that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, he's got that card in his pocket. He just never plays yeah. it. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen him live, and he does some of that. And like when when he's just going off the cuff during during the live set, and he's—I mean, immensely underrated. As a, as a guitar player, other than being the riff lord. Yeah. And that's what I like about live music, too. I, I'm not a huge live person, but being able to hear them extend songs out and play a little bit more in the solo or, 
do something crazy at the end that you're not oh, expecting. Yeah. yeah, that's what's great about live music, and especially you know watching them in concert. Mm -hmm. I agree. So there we go. Okay, number nine on our top twenty-five guitar solos of the '90s comes from Alice in Chains, particularly Jerry Cantrell and the song "Them Bones." As far as a bonus song for this episode, uh, there is some really low-hanging fruit here. <laughs> some <laughs> obvious choices. We talked about one, Man in the Box. Yeah. That's got a great solo. You know, Rooster. Oh, that's, that's my Rooster. favorite. Rooster's my favorite. No Excuses is another big one I really like in Wood. Um, all great solos in there. But I'm going to go with my personal favorite, which is I Stay Away. Oh, good choice. Uh, Plenty of great Jerry riffs in that one. It's got a great solo. The bass groove is awesome. There's some epic harmonies, which are almost dissonant at times. Like, you know, like we talked about, they, those yeah. harmonies are just different. And strings. Oh, gosh, I love the strings. <laughs> and I stay away. So it's just a complete song from a grunge band, which is insane to me yeah. to have something that complete. But isn't that on so great. Jar of Flies? Is that what that's on? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's on the, oh. yeah. The EP. Yeah. Man. I, that's my favorite album of theirs by yeah. far, but, uh, I stay away. It's just such a 24 hour repeat song for me. <laughs> I love the thing. That's and awesome. the first, from the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just a masterpiece. But it's anyway, a great song. Yeah. So stay tuned. You'll hear I stay away in its entirety. If you're listening with Spotify premium, otherwise use those song whip links in the show notes. We always tell you about to connect with the song in your favorite music app. If you like the show, please subscribe, of course. Leave us a star rating in your favorite app. You can do so in Spotify, which would help us out. Or if your app has a uh, some kind of rating, we would appreciate that. And, of course, we are part of the Retro Network. So go check out patreon.com forward slash the Retro Network and uh, support us. Support the Retro Network and what we do. It's not much. It's just five bucks, and you get your name in the show notes. You get some bonus podcasts over there, and you get to hang out with me and Eric in the uh, VIP lounge over there on the Slack channel. Man, I'm going to get my so, name in some show notes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our website is greatestlistpodcast.com. You can stream episodes right there from your browser. And, of course, you can also leave thoughts on today's show, finding us on Twitter at Greatest List. Also found out that Spotify has like uh, comments there. You can leave like instant feedback if you're listening on Spotify. Say, hey, I like this episode. Hey, this episode sucked. You know, whatever. Leave us a comment <laughs> and you can do it right there. Please don't say that. On Spotify. <laughs> well, you know, I'm being silly. Anyway, uh, Eric will be back for hosting duties on the next show, our number eight selection, which will take us to the lovely ocean banks of Delaware. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Greatest List, and we look forward to continuing our list of the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s right back here next time. You've been listening to The Greatest Lists. <laughs>